Welcome back to the Under Center podcast here, of course, with Jake and Fionn. Lads, before we move on to our next guest, I actually should really ask this. Did you watch the Pro Bowl last week? <laughs> no, God, no. I didn't even turn on the telly for the skill zone. Oh, my God. Although I did watch highlights of it. It looked pretty decent, but the match itself, it just looked awful. Yeah, I actually did look at the the replay of the skill zone stuff, and I had the Pro Bowl on the background, but when I say the background, it was seriously in the background. It might as well have been turned off because it just wasn't interesting. The NFL has to come up with something better. Like, yeah. they, it, at this point, they must lose money putting on the Pro Bowl. And for something that's so obsessed with making money, from a fan's point of view, if they can come up with something more interesting to get more eyes on it, it's just better for everybody. Even if it is just the skills game. I can nearly put in with that, but they got it. They got to do it a little bit slicker than they have it as well. Like the, I saw little clips of the hockey all-star like skills game, and they're out on the on the casino fountain flicking ice pucks at at goals out in the middle of the fountain and stuff. So there's definitely more they could do, but yeah, the game mm-hmm. itself, like what what you expect, they just don't want to play it. So I I don't really blame exactly. the players either, to be honest. Exactly. Yeah, you can't be expecting them to put their bodies on the line for. An absolutely nothing game. The equivalent of us going outside now and having a kick around. You know, that's mm-hmm. that's the equivalent of it, right? I there. still like throwing in a dirty tackle on Jake every now and then, though. That's why <laughs> I, I'm not playing this season. That's why Jake know. wears his shin pads even when we have a kick around. <laughs> even when we're going for a pint, I have to wear my shin pads. <laughs> uh, well, uh, let's bring on our next guest. He is the deputy manager of Cincy Jungle. That is SB Nation's Cincinnati Bengals blog. And he is one of the hosts of the Orange and Black Insider Pod. Please welcome John Sheeran to the show. John, thanks so much for taking the time to speak to us. How are you? I'm great, guys. How are you? We're doing well. We're doing well. Look, definitely looking forward to Sunday, sort of counting down the days. But I'm sure... Uh, for you, I'm guessing, is it a little mixture of excitement and dread, nervousness, like all going through all the emotions this week? There's no dread at this point. Like, they're three known playoff games. I've never seen a playoff one before in my life. So, like, <laughs> this is just the regular for me now, uh, covering this this type of stuff. It, it's, I, I like the bye week for the Super Bowl. I always hated it because, like, I don't, you know, let's, let's get this over with. But now it's nice to just kind of reflect on everything, make sure all the work is done properly and really just kind of soak it all up. But I think with the way that this team carries themselves and the leadership that they have, like there's no more like butterflies with like the moments too big. Like they're here. I know that this came a lot faster (laughs) phrasing than a lot of people expected it to be, but like they're here now and they deserve to be here. So let's just get this over with, you know? (laughs) Yeah. They took some proper scalps on the way as well. It's not like in the, in the NFL playoffs, you don't fluke your way into the finals. Uh, into the Super Bowl final. So I think they're there on merit as well. It's going to be interesting to see how it all unfolds now. Yeah, for sure. Like there there have been things that happened in the in the postseason that hasn't been the norm for them. Like they forced mm-hmm. a lot of turnovers. The offense hasn't exactly been explosive like it has been. But the weird thing about the Bengals, and I think what a lot of people are finding out now that they're doing deep dives into the team, is that they don't really have this concrete identity. They find ways to win on a weekly basis. They've won quote-unquote ugly against like the Raiders and the Broncos earlier in the season and they won flashy against the Ravens and the Chiefs and then in the playoffs and you know everyone is just game planning like really hard against these teams because it is the playoffs like they've the opposing defenses have found ways to limit their offenses and whatnot and they've still 
found ways to overcome it. So now they're facing, obviously, the most talented team that is probably the entire NFL, a team that's put it all their chips in the middle of the table to get to this moment. And it's going to be tough and it's going to be challenging, but they don't, the Rams specifically don't uh, present any obstacles that the Bengals haven't been able to overcome before. And it's just about doing it one more time. Yeah. And sort of, if you can, um, can you explain to us how, how we did get to this point with, with the Bengals, because from being uh, four 11 and one last year, to also coming into this year, possibly having Zach Taylor on the hot seat a bit, to now go playing in the biggest game of the year on Sunday against the Rams. Like what what has what has happened with this? I, you've mentioned earlier there about leadership and um and obviously Joe Burrow and and his comeback from injury has obviously been a, a vital point too. But what else do you think has, has contributed to to the Bengals? Um, improving so much on this year so like the last two years they won six games six 25 and one and that's the lowest win total um for like a two-year span to then go to the super bowl in the following year it's never been done before in the history of professional football in, in america and a lot of that is attributed to honestly health like this team has been ravaged by injuries for as long as i can remember and the biggest injuries this year, Larry Ogunjobi is out for the playoffs. He got hurt in the wildcard round. They don't have the right tackle, Riley Reef, who they signed in the offseason. Everyone else is basically out there from the starting lineup that they were in week one. A lot of their role players are still healthy. Like, like they have the bodies. They had the bodies in the, in, in the beginning of the season to be a competitive team. And a lot of times we will see the teams that last this long are just the teams that are just the healthiest. And you combine that with Burrow playing at an elite level. The, the previous two times the Bengals have been to the Super Bowl, both their quarterbacks won MVPs. And I don't think a lot of people know that about the Bengals, that they have this history of quarterback play. But Ken Anderson, Boomer Sison were arguably the two best quarterbacks on those Super Bowl teams. They just happened to run into Joe Montana on in those Super Bowls. So Burrow playing at an elite level with this offense that has been outfitted with receiving, receiving talent. And just the way that Burrow was able to make it work behind a, a crappy offensive line. And obviously no one is uh, promoting the offensive line to be anything more than at best below average, but a lot of people have pointed to the fact that he takes 51 sacks and he's not a good pocket passer. You put any other quarterback in that offensive line, they're getting sacked more than 50 times. So just the way that he's been able to overcome their biggest shortcomings while also continuing to play at this high level of efficiency has helped them win games that maybe they shouldn't. And then the defense in general, it's been bought in free agency for the past two years and it's not particularly dominant in one specific area, but there are no, major liabilities like you across the board on all three levels they have solid starters they can get home with four they can man coverage you with with Shidabe Wuzi and Eli Apple of all guys on the outside and debates has really come alive in the postseason to be that elite center field safety that he was in previous years so everything has just kind of come together they've been able to stay healthy and while they're not they're not elite in a lot of areas they're really good in the areas that matter and that's passing efficiency and particularly health John, do you think one thing that could help with this, and given the run that they've gone on this year, do you think this Bengals team finally deserves an indoor practice facility to kind of keep that health going and keep those legs warm on those cold, cincy winter days when they're out there training? You know, it's like for a long time that's been a thing, and now I, I feel like now that everyone is like noticing it and like, oh, they're they they're in ice, they got to go to the local college's indoor facility. It's like, yeah, like all that happens, but. They're here in spite of it. You know, it's, mm-hmm. it's kind of cool that like it, it's happened without that lug- that luxury. And 
honestly, like there is no real excuse why a team who suffers harsh winters doesn't have a place to practice indoors because that's where you want it. Like you, you should be able to be able to practice in light rain and in some like um, windy conditions. Like you need to be able to prepare for the elements, but you can't have a clean practice when there is ice and freezing temperatures out there. So now that they're uh, in a position where like the playoffs can be the norm and they're expected to play in some of these games now probably, probably becomes more necessary. The whole thing with them is that there's a zoning issue with the city. There's not a lot of space in downtown Cincinnati anyways. And there is a potential spot for a facility, but it's still owned by the County and going back 30 years ago when they built the, the stadium that they play in the owner, Mike Brown kind of screwed taxpayers into paying for the stadium and threatening to move and all this stuff. So I don't know if the County and the taxpayers would want to pay for a practice facility, but that's probably what would, would have to happen. So there is no real excuse why an NFL team in their situation doesn't have one. But if, if I feel like if there's ever a time where that has to change, it's probably now that you have this team and you have this opportunity to keep playing games with these temperatures. Well, we play, we all play for a team over here and well, we can tell you, we don't have indoor practice facilities either. <laughs> and it's not fun out there playing in the cold and the rain and the wind that we get over here, even in Dublin. And there's some teams further up north as well that train here and they don't get indoor practice facilities. So we, we have to have to say we feel the Bengals players pain a little bit over here. Yeah, and I don't think they're like complaining that much. Like they just mm. accept for what it is, and they recognize that it's an it's an advantage for them too. Like when they played the Raiders in the first round, the Raiders practice they were playing a desert in Las Vegas, and it was like thirty degrees that night. So they they kind of embodied that inherent advantage of being used to to those elements. And I think that that again is important. The Patriots have an indoor facility; they barely use it. And it's freaking Boston, Massachusetts. They get really harsh winters, but Belichick doesn't care at all. Like he he wants his guys to be prepared to face those elements when they host all those playoff games. And I think that is important. But again, like you guys were saying, when when there's ice storms and you're practicing for a freaking Super Bowl, you don't want to necessarily bust your players up five miles to an indoor bubble. Yeah, and, and looking um, at the game a little closer, this is one of those classic games where it's going to be won in the trenches uh, on both offensive and defensive lines. And, you know, all the talk is, of course, with, with Joe Burrow being the most sacked quarterback in the league and the Rams themselves are third in the league for, for sacks too. And, you know, if the Bengals' O-line can give Burrow just that little bit of time and, of course, with what Jamar Chase can do and, he could pro- he could probably get past Jalen Ramsey is a couple of times, especially the way Mike Evans did in the divisional round. Um, that that's going to be the crucial thing. It's just if Joe Burrow can just get a bit of time, right? And it's a weird balance they're going to have to play because the offense coordinator Brian Callahan. Not a lot of people know who he is, but he doesn't he doesn't call the plays, but he has influence on the playbook and whatnot. And he's on record for saying like we like to have as many receiving options as possible because we have a quarterback who's able to go through his progressions really quickly and get the ball out quickly because that's what you need to do when you're in empty sets. When you have this many receiving options, naturally you have less blockers to block. You can't go empty against the Rams all throughout the game. You just can't. You need to focus bodies on Aaron Donald. You don't have um, your left tackle in a lot of one-on-one situations against Von Miller or Leonard Floyd, whoever's on that edge. They're going to be in situations where they're in either max protection or they're having a guy who would normally be a receiving option out there to chip. And that puts more pressure on Chase Higgins and Boyd to create separation. And I, I think I'd, like everyone should have a tremendous amount of respect for Jalen Ramsey. And he's going to get his wins against Jamar Chase, just like Chase can get on, the, on top of Ramsey, like you said, Evans did that uh, those other couple times. But I think that is just going to be a back-and-forth matchup where you need T. Higgins and Tyler Boyd to take advantage of those matchups because – 
Darius Williams, for whatever reason, he was like a fringe Pro Bowl all player, all pro player last year, and he's completely fallen off the cliff this year. And I don't really know who the Rams slot back is. So those are just automatic advantages, I would say, for the Bengals when they only have two or three passing options running routes out there because they, they need to focus so much on the pass protection. Like those are the plays where they need quick separation because you're right. Like if Bro is taking hits and sacks when they're when they have extra blockers out there. It's just a really bad losing formula for the Bengals there. So those are the plays where they need to get the ball out quickly because if you're taking sacks in that situation, the base of your offense is just kaput. John, the Bengals played against uh, a gauntlet of uh, all-pro D linemen this season, um, like TJ Watt, Miles Garrett, Max Crosby, and now they're coming up against Aaron Donald, Leonard Floyd, and Von Miller. Do you do you expect a, a big focus on a game plan to get the ball out quick, the scheme to try scheme around Aaron Donald? How much do you think this could impact the game, given that the, the offensive line is kind of the weaker aspect of this Bengals offense? Yeah, for sure. Like, and that's been the storyline. Like the Rams defensive line is loaded. It's by far the biggest strength on defense. And the Bengals offense line is not good. It's got two backups to put it nicely on the right side there. And that's where Aaron Donald typically lines up. So there's, there's just not a situation where you can't, where, where they won't have extra tension on Donald. They're going to slide the center over to, to that gap to, to, to try to um, take him out there. And I think you brought up a good point. The fact that they've played, TJ Watt, Miles Garrett twice, Max Crosby twice, who I think led the league in pressures. They and the, giving up nine sacks to the Titans and still overcoming that. It, it, it sucks that they have this defensive line to face, but it's nothing that they haven't overcome before. And I say that knowing that Aaron Donald is by far the best defensive player in the NFL and maybe the greatest defensive tackle of all time. He's in a tier of his own, 100%. He can finish some of those pressures that Burrow has been able to evade and avoid. And that's just, it, it comes down to like, it either is or it isn't, you know, either they continue to overcome this, that they've been able to do so for the entire year, or this is the one team and the, really the one guy that can basically put all that to bed. And if it happens, it happens like it's Aaron Donald. There's no shame in letting him take over the game. But you don't want, obviously, to exit that game with a loss, thinking that you could have done more to prevent it. Yeah. And on the, on the other side of the ball, though, Obviously, you're well aware that the Bengals um, have their own strengths on the defensive line to go up against the uh, the the Rams O line, and especially on the right tackle situation with with Rob Havenstein, who's allowed seven sacks this year. So we could see maybe a, a Trey Hendrickson maybe line up more on the left. I know he prefers to go onto the right side of the line. Maybe you might see, or perhaps maybe you might see a lot more of Sam Hubbard. Um, and so that would be interesting to watch as well. Another side of it is that um, the Bengals traditionally this year have not been great against the run and with Cam Akers and, and Sony Michelle there too. That'd be a couple of things to watch out for that they don't go um, too over the top to try and um, uh, rush Stafford. Right. And because the Rams offense is so built around play action and they have great play action designs because it's McVay and like he knows what he's doing with that stuff. So they design a lot of those run really well and they and it's hard to differentiate what's a run, what's a pass in the pre-snap phase. And then that that play action really hides it well. So I'm surprised they haven't been able to run the Rams. I'm surprised they haven't been able to run as well, even with K-Makers back. And the fact that K-Makers is back at all so quickly after the Achilles is mind-boggling. But you would think they would, they would be a better running team, and they're, they're just not. So I don't know if the fact that the Bengals rush defense, like you're right, it's not very good. It hasn't been very good in recent weeks. I don't know if that's a matchup where they just finally decide to be effective and, and um, 
perform a little bit better in that regard. But against Havenstein, I don't, I don't think you'll see Trey Hendrickson uh, line up on that side. Like you, if, if, if there's one time to take advantage, it's the Super Bowl where you have a week to prepare and like it's just all or nothing. But he has primarily been up against the left tackle, and I think they would want their best pass rusher to go up against the Rams' best pass blocker in Whitworth, and that's going to be a fun matchup to watch. Obviously, Whitworth being a former Bengal himself, now 40 years old, still starting in the Super Bowl. It's freaking wild to even contemplate, but he's not the same Whitworth that a lot of Bengals fans remember. He's not. He's still really good, obviously, but Trey Hendrickson has been consistent all year long. He's had wins against a lot of quality left tackles, and I think there will be situations where in true pass situations where they're not going play action and Stafford's dropping back. He's not the greatest quarterback against pressure. There could be situations where Hendrickson gets under him. So I, I'm going to assume that they keep Hendrickson on that side because I don't think they're going to trust Sam Hubbard or any of their other defensive ends to go up against Whitworth. Yeah, and we saw in the in the AFC Championship game the sort of adjustments that were made on defense there towards the end of the first half and for the whole second half where instead of rushing four, they only rushed three and had primarily Sam Herbert just basically spying Patrick Mahomes. Now, mm-hmm. I know um, obviously Stafford is nowhere near as mobile as Mahomes is, but do you think that um, the Bengals have sort of maybe in a few tricks up their sleeve there that they can sort of maybe catch out? I, I guess my guess is was probably to try and nullify the likes of, of Cooper Cup. Right. Like how they manage Cooper Cup is going to be interesting. I don't know if they're just going to have extra safety help at the top because you, you wouldn't think that Cooper Cup would be this great deep receiver, but that's exactly what he is. He's just great at all these areas and somehow he manages to get past some of these cornerbacks and safeties. So I, I think the way that they handled the Chiefs was that they knew that they liked those in-breaking routes, those crossing routes to the receivers and Kelsey. So they they had these uh, looks in the snap base where they show you know two safeties um, split field safeties and then basically move one down and into a, a wave where they can take away the middle of the field. And I don't know if that exact plan would work sp- specifically against the Rams because it's just a different offense. But I, I think in regards to that and just uh, keeping maybe like three rushers there, I think they're I think they're going to send four or, or maybe more. Maybe they'll try to blitz Stafford more because he's not as good as handling the rush. And I, I think with Mahomes, it was the situation of making him hold on to the ball, making sure that he's contained in the pocket. And that obviously worked in the second half. He ended up picking sacks that he, he wouldn't. So, like, I think preparing for the Rams offense is a little bit different than preparing for the Chiefs because you have now not only Cooper Cup, but o- OBJ, who has quietly burned the Bengals when he was with the Browns. Like, against against the Bengals were the only time that Odo Beckham Jr. looked like he belonged on the Browns roster. So that that's a quiet storyline that I don't think a lot of people are saying. Um, the fact that they're going to have so much attention on Cooper Cup, they have a great slot cornerback in Milton, who I think did really well against Cup uh, the last time that those two faced off in 2019. I think they're going to trust him in a lot of situations, but recognize that, hey, like, make sure to, to stay on top of this dude and may, maybe have Jesse Bates kind of have some cloud coverage over there. I think, John, what plays into it the most is what you mentioned earlier on in that the Bengals just find a way to win these games and they don't necessarily, like you mentioned, it's not a, such a concrete identity where a team like the Rams knows what's going to come at them. And we saw them against the Chiefs. They almost went counterintuitive to what everyone else believes you have to do to stop the Chiefs, but they made it work. So what do you think? I think the Rams are going to have a tough day. If if anyone can do it, Sean McVay, obviously, as you mentioned, is a, a top offensive mind. But he's going to have his work cut out to handle this Bengals defense. Not necessarily, as you mentioned, the most star-studded defense in the league, but certainly capable of getting the job done and doing it in ways that maybe you're not expecting. Right, and Lou Narumo deserves a lot of credit 
just as as his growth as a defensive coordinator. Now you can say what you want about them spending like $200 million to get his guys into the door, but he now has the personnel that he wants and he's now getting like um, looks at to be head coaching to head coach, at least from the giants. Um, So he's done a lot of growth personally in just the way that he's adapted his schemes and really just coming out with just different, different schemes every single week to match up against that opposing offense. And that honestly, seems like the matchup of the game to me. Like I know everyone is focusing on Rams defensive line versus Bengals offensive line, but Sean McVay and his photographic memory versus Lou and Arumo and that defense that has really kind of carried the Bengals to this point in the postseason. They've had just three straight games of quality defensive play going up against this juggernaut of Rams offense. And their one weakness aside from running the ball, Matthew Stafford puts the ball in harm's way. And we've seen, I, th- I think, at least seven or six interceptions from the Bengals defense this season or this postseason. A couple against Mahomes, three against Ryan Tannehill. There's nothing really that separates Matthew Stafford from those guys in terms of keeping the ball out of harm's way and, and, and into those potential turnover situations. People are saying that it's not sustainable. I agree from a season-long standpoint, but this is the playoffs, and like these guys believe that this type of defense works, and it's just got to work for one more game. So that is the way that I think the Bengals win this game, is that they force Stafford into one too many mistakes. I think Anna Rumo and Al Golden, who is their linebackers coach, he's primarily responsible for uh, designing pressure packages. The Rams' offensive line is weakest inside. I think um, getting some delayed blitzes with their linebackers and maybe some stunts between their defensive tackles, it can get pressure up the middle on Stafford, and he's just kind of prone to making some stupid mistakes in the face of pressure. So those are the plays that the Bengals need to continue capitalizing on, and if they do so, I think it gives their offense a chance to score a couple more touchdowns. Yeah. Go ahead, Sorry, go ahead, Jake. No, go ahead. John, the, uh, do you think CJ Uzama gets to play this game? And, and if he doesn't, do you think there's a big drop-off between him and, say, Drew Sample, especially when you might need them in uh, to, to block, as we said, against that kind of dominant defensive line? For starters, Drew Sample is absolutely a drop-off to CJ Uzama and just not a very good second-round pick for the Bengals. They've, they should have already taken the L on that, but... It would be kind of disappointing if CJ Uzama rips off his knee brace in front of 30,000 Bengals fans and ends up not playing the Super Bowl after saying that he wants to play in the Super Bowl. So the signs are pointing up with Uzama. He was rehabbing, I think, on the bike and some position drills late last weekend. So I think all he needs is participation in some practices. And I think at the very least, you will see him dressed and play in like a limited form. I don't know if he's going to play a full game or not like that. That injury didn't look particularly good. I guess it was the same exact injury that Tyler Higby suffered. Yeah. And apparently Higby is doubtful for the game somehow. So I, I'm just not the guy to answer that kind of question <laughs> on what differentiates that. But he's confident in it. And the Bengals have a good track record of getting these guys back on time. So I would say he's out there. I just don't know how much. Yeah. Uh, and something interesting to look ahead to the game for, I should say, Um the, the the Rams um tend to go up early in games um and in the second half they tend to fail to kill teams off it's it, it's become it's quietly becoming a trait of a Sean McVay Rams team um whereas the Bengals a perfect example is the AFC Championship game you know down twenty one three at one point and come back in the second half and and stop the Chiefs scoring um apart from a field goal at the very end of the game and you know it's something that we can look at heading into this game that like, even if the Rams go up early, even maybe by a couple of scores that I'm sure Zach Taylor and the rest of the coaching staff have been saying to their team that if they go up early, they're, 
you guys are still not out of this game, um, that the Rams seem to just drop off when it comes to second halves. Right. And I totally agree. It's just been a weird thing with McVeigh with how he's propped up as this offensive genius and he just kind of takes off takes his foot off the pedal. And that's also, I think, with, with uh, Kyle Shanahan. So maybe it's just something in that tree. And that's honestly been kind of somewhat frequent for the Bengals, too. There's just times of just weird conservatism conservatism towards the late part of games. With the Bengals, I wouldn't be totally shocked if they tried to run the ball pretty early against the Rams because that's probably just their, their weak point and they want to kind of slow down the pass rush a little bit. And if they get into a situation where the Rams are up by a, a couple scores or whatnot, I don't know how much that would impact whether to uh, go away from the run game at that point, because at that point you got to put the ball in Joe Burrow's hands to get as many points as possible. But then logic dictates that, Oh, okay. You're in obvious passing situations. It's Aaron Donald, you know, foaming at the mouth, not a very good sign there. So how they kind of amend their plans, if they get into that situation will be very interesting because I I do think that they're going to try to get Joe Mixon more involved in this game than he was against the chiefs and maybe the Raiders as well, when they were, more confident in their offensive and pass blocking in the in those games compared to the Titans when they they weren't really really confident at all. So that's going to be interesting to watch because I think they can come back against the Rams and I don't think there's really anyone left in Cincinnati who believes that if they go down a couple scores they're out. That was a thing with Andy Dalton, but I don't think it's a thing with Joe Burrow. For sure, uh, and I am. I we're gonna wrap it up here soon because uh, I know we we probably had John way too long, um, but. Explain or try and convince us there now, um, how the Bengals are going to win there on Sunday, despite everything that we've just talked about for the last twenty-five minutes. Um, if you are indeed, who, who do you think is winning Sunday? I, I think the Bengals can win, like I said, by forcing one too many mistakes from Stafford. I think just giving an extra possession to the offense because let's make no mistake about it, Donald's getting at least a sack or two. Von Miller, I think, will probably have a good day against either tackle that he goes up against. I'm not, I'm not sure off the top of my head if he goes up more against the left tackle or right tackle now these with Los Angeles. But regardless, I think he's got a, a good matchup against both of them. It's going to be a good day for the Rams defensive line. The Bengals are unfortunately going to punt maybe a couple more times than they should. It's just about the Bengals defense giving them extra opportunities. I don't think there is necessarily a deficit that's too big for they can't come back. I guess, you know, maybe 30 would probably be too big against the Rams. But I, I think that that is how they win. And so long that Joe Burrow isn't sacked 12, 15 times, I think he's going to get enough chances to evade those pressures, get some opportune matchups against Darius Williams, and maybe get Jamar Chase in the slot to see if Jalen Ramsey follows him there. At that point, I see the Bengals potentially winning a close game. I don't think it's going to be a high-scoring game. I think Luna Rumo is going to come out with a good game plan against McVay, and I think the Rams' defense, obviously, their, their talent is going to limit the Bengals' offense to some degree. So I'm going to say... The Bengals win a close game by the score of like 20 to 17. I like that you say that because I've been um, really tempted all week to bet the under. And I think it's like 48 and a half at the moment. So if you're saying 2017, I'm okay with that. <laughs> for sure. Uh, listen, John, thanks so much for taking the time to speak to us. We really appreciate it. Um, before we let you go, um, what will be uh, sort of your routine then on Sunday? Are you going to be sort of watching at home or are you going to head out for it? I do not know at the moment. I have a couple options. I don't think I want to go out to a, a bar pub uh, for this type of thing. I, I would like to end up there if they when they win, excuse me. But I, I'm probably going to write for a Cincy Jungle during the game, get an article up as soon as that happens. Hopefully, 
it's a positive one. And after that, I guess all bets are off. We've never really been in the situation before, so anything goes. <laughs> hey, so fun. I've been asking all uh, all of our guests this there t- this evening, what would be sort of your Super Bowl food of choice then as well? Super Bowl food of choice. I am pretty fond of buffalo chicken dip, which is pretty big over here. Uh, I'm not really into like any like big meals. I just like a lot of snacks. So like there's like these pepperoni bread rolls. There's um, if you guys are familiar with Skyline Chili here in Cincinnati, there's this this dip with with some Greek meat sauce and some chips, which chips, which is good. Um, just like little snacks like that, just to, just to fill up my stomach, but not I don't I'm not into like just like giant like meal or anything that really fill my plate. Oh no, I understand. I understand. And is the, the the buffalo chicken dip? Is that the one with the the sort of the cream cheese and the shredded chicken and all that all mixed together with the buffalo sauce? P- precisely. You got to put some franks yeah. or whatever your p- preferred hot sauce in there, and then get some chips in there, and it's a pretty good dip. Yeah, I am I hungry. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I, I'm aware of those, and that's like like ten thousand calories, like per <laughs> proportion for sure. But uh, it doesn't matter. Calories don't count on Super Bowl Sunday, so that doesn't matter at all. It's a listen, big gym day on Monday, you know. That's exactly it. That's exactly it. Uh, listen, John. Like I said, thanks so much for taking time to speak to us. Before uh, one last thing, before we let you go, where can people uh, find your articles or, or find the podcast? Yeah, for sure. Um, CincyJungle.com is for all our content. We've got a ton up this week from prepare, preparation for the Super Bowl. We're going to have a ton up following the Super Bowl. You can find uh, the podcast, the Orange and Black Insider Bengals podcast, as well on Cincy Jungle. And you can find me on Twitter if you want to follow that type of stuff on at John2 underscores Sheeran. Excellent stuff. Excellent. Listen, enjoy the game Sunday. Hopefully, um, hopefully it's a Bengals win for yourself. And maybe for myself, I think I'm going for a bit. I might go for a Bengals <laughs> win. The people will find out later on. Um, but like I said, enjoy the game, and uh, hopefully we get to speak to you uh, again in the offseason. Absolutely, guys. Appreciate it. Cheers, John. Thanks. We're going to take one more break. When we come back in the final part of the show, we are going to be looking at the Rams side of the game.